that creates a different conversation, a bigger conversation, one that emotionally connects with prospects. Because, you know, what I've seen is when you can demonstrate to people, I get you, then they're going to be open to listening to what you have to say, but not until then. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, uh, we've got Colleen Stanley with us, and she's going to be talking about how emotional intelligence affects your sales. Colleen is the, the founder and the president of Sales Leadership, Inc. She's the creator of EI Selling, which is a unique and powerful sales training program integrating emotional intelligence skills with consultative selling skills. She's also the author of uh, an awesome book, Emotional Intelligence for Sales Success, which has been published in six languages. Colleen has received many awards for her work in sales development and leadership and has been named by Salesforce as one of the top seven influential sales experts in the 21st century. Wow. In the century. That, 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 that means fantastic. I'm old. <laughs> no, <laughs> the century just started. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I'm 16. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. So tell me, uh, Colleen, what is emotional intelligence in the context of sales and why is it so important to achieving success? Well, we started in this body of work about eight years ago, and really what brought it to our attention was, A, some of our colleagues that were teaching emotional intelligence in the leadership world, and they really encouraged us to take a look at it in our, our work in sales development. So the more I started thinking about it, I started observing that salespeople often, you know, in the classroom, in coaching sessions, they could execute the consultative selling skills, what I refer to as the hard skills, well, and then they got into those real world situations and you would find emotions would start running the meeting rather than effective selling communication and influence skills. So it's really what I call the knowing and doing gap. So emotional intelligence skills, actually what I have found in working with teams supports the execution of the right selling behaviors, regardless of what's going on in a sales meeting or conversation. And, uh, and how do you define EI in relation to EQ? You know, really they're interchangeable terms. And so, you know, EQ is really the composite of all the emotional intelligence skills. But in the end, you know, really what you want to look at is what is everything that's comprising emotional intelligence? So we, you can talk about emotion management. You can talk about emo, uh, specific skills such as empathy, impulse control, and assertiveness, all which build your emotional intelligence, which is self-awareness and other awareness in really cliff note terms. Outstanding. Well, that, that's, that's what we love around here. We love the cliff notes. <laughs> we do too. It's a fast world and a, and a busy one. So cliff notes are beautiful. Uh, well, tell me, how, how does emotional intelligence affect the different areas of sales, such as prospecting? So to, to, get, uh, to give an example, how would, uh, or, or in a meeting, so to give an, like, for example, how would a salesperson with a lower EQ run a sales meeting versus someone with a high EQ? How would, what would they approach differently? What would they do differently in a meeting? Well, you know, emotional intelligence is a lot about reading and relating to the emotional temperature in the room. So really paying attention to what you're thinking or feeling. So a lot of times a low EQ person 
frankly, isn't paying attention. So they're missing a lot of the clues and they might miss a shift in tonality, somebody's eyes moving, um, a change in a question. And the emotionally intelligent person catches those clues, but not only catches them, knows what to do with them. So a lot of times they're good at calling the elephants in the room because they have empathy. And empathy is really that paying attention skill. So Steve, if you and I were having a conversation, I might stop the conversation and say, Steve, I think what I just said might have made you uncomfortable. Or Steve, I'm getting the feeling what I'm sharing isn't really the right direction we should be taking. Should, should we talk about that? So they have that you know, a flexibility to know what's going on in the room because they're paying attention to the thoughts, feelings, and actions of others. Okay, awesome. And how, how, does, that, uh, how does that affect something, uh, a sales activity that people do every day like prospecting? So where I see a specific skill showing up in prospecting is impulse control or delayed gratification. You know, if you've got the sales manager that lays out the activity plan, the sales rep nods their head saying, yes, I can do all this activity. And then they're motivated for one month, perhaps two months. And even though the sales cycle is nine months long, the person starts getting frustrated and they start falling off the activity plan, checking their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook account and still doing the activity consistently that'll help them build those full pipelines. Now, the second place delayed gratification takes place as we all know with prospecting, it's your messaging. What are you saying and doing when you're calling someone, emailing, linking in? And it really takes delayed gratification to put in the work to craft really compelling messages. Because I see a lot of salespeople working hard, but their approach is generic. It's a one-size-fits-all message that, that goes out to anyone they're calling on. And today's prospects, frankly, if you don't demonstrate expertise, Empathy, very, very quickly, you're disqualified. There is, there is no next step or first step. That's, uh, that, that makes a ton of sense. Can you recommend specific practices or exercises that salespeople could implement or should implement to improve their emotional intelligence skills for sales? So let's just take one of the mega skills, um, you know, emotional self-awareness, because emotional self-awareness, yeah, the reason it's called the foundational skill, it's know thyself. Because if you really don't know yourself, that which you don't know or not aware of, you can't change. So I'd say one thing is start the day, win the morning by um, carving out some reflection time and just ask yourself, how did I show up yesterday? Where did I give in to instant gratification? Where did I get triggered by a prospect that I didn't say and do what I know I should do? Because it's only with that awareness that you can change. I would also say then, you know, as it relates to prospecting or even running the sales meeting, so the lead is converted to a conversation. Empathy is another mega skill. It is a huge influence skill. So we teach sales managers to play empathy games. And so you can have one side of your team pretend they're a prospect and there is a potential objection or maybe there's a concern. The other team has to recognize what they're thinking or feeling and then demonstrate the ability to say it in a manner which shows genuine concern and actually makes that emotional connection with the people playing prospect. So downtime is important to start the day and then actually practicing. Because what happens with soft skills, Stephen, they're, they're, they seem intangible. The biggest thing, and it's hard to do, is to make it tangible because that's how you become real world with it. And, and how do you do that? How do you think you, what's, what is, what's the strategy to make, the, make that tangible? 
So I'll give you an example. Let's say with the empathy, all right? So um, it was a few years ago, and I had a young uh, sales professional come into one of our workshops, and he was in the financial planning industry. So he was a financial planner. And he was, you know, a really enthusiastic young man, and he was telling a story about how he just got a prospect, and the prospect came to him because his prior financial planner had burned him, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so the young man was really excited. He said, well, what do you think that prospect is thinking about you? And he said, well, he's looking at me like a savior. I'm going to save the day. And I said, what do you think he's really thinking about you? <laughs> and he stopped and he said, I'm just like the other guy. And what's going to make you different? See, it was just so then you would teach the salesperson how to say that. Mr. Prospect. You got burned by your last financial advisor. If I were you, I'd be sitting looking at me, wondering if I'm going to say and do all those beautiful things that the other financial advisor did and fall way short of your expectations. Should we talk about that? That creates a different conversation, a bigger conversation, you know, one that emotionally connects with prospects. Because, you know, what I've seen is when you can demonstrate to people, I get you, then they're going to be open to listening to what you have to say, but not until then. So true. On objections, you, you kind of mentioned that briefly. Can you talk a little more about how emotional intelligence can help salespeople handle objections more effectively? Sure. So, you know, if you've been in sales long enough, you, you know what the objections are. And actually what I find quite humorous is when we've done an objection handling exercise with sales teams, I'll ask them, okay, throw out every objection you're going to hear or you've heard. And they can fill an entire whiteboard. The next question is what's really telling. Tell me what your response is. And it's radio silence. Uh, uh. And so the fact is, objections are very predictable. We should, we should stop being shocked that we hear objections. So one of the methods we teach is don't wait for your prospect to bring up the objection. Instead, you bring it up. Yeah. Because when you wait for the prospect to bring it up, because you know what they are, they're predictable. When you wait, you're on the defense. And sometimes that kicks off your reptilian brain. And so you start getting defensive. You feel like you're in survival mode. You're fighting for the sale. And none of that serves you well because you show up looking desperate. And, and frankly, sometimes you default into a pushy um, overselling mode. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've seen that be very effective with, with certain types of objections like pr the price objection, especially if you have a, a higher priced, um, a higher priced, higher quality type position in, in the marketplace, you, you almost have to bring up price with, with your prospect, you know, and, and that, or early on you have to, you have to bring it up and get that out on the table and say, you know, I, I, I recognize that our price is higher, but it, it, it really, the value is going to be so much higher to you, Mr. Prospect. Let me show you how. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you bring it up early enough in the present presentation before they bring it up, then, uh, then you, you've, you've already dealt with it and they're not on the defensive. And that's, right. that's something I've always coached people to do. Well, and the other thing with objections, if you consistently run into the price objection, you know, the question I will ask salespeople, should you have been there in the first place? Because you might be calling on the right or the wrong target. You might be calling on a cheap transactional vendor prospect, and you could have the selling skills of the late Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. They're not going to buy from you. So that also takes some delayed gratification in analyzing win-loss. Where am I winning? Where am I mm -hmm. losing? And sometimes it's as simple as don't show up to the appointment in the first place. You know, get yeah. better at targeting. 
So mm-hmm. again, the soft skill of slowing down to speed up will help you execute your prospecting strategy better. Absolutely. Well, and sometimes you just, you're in a commoditized market and, uh, and, and price is the, the deciding factor, or maybe for a portion of your market, price is the deciding factor. But for other, for other areas of your market, it really is more about the, the value that you're bringing. And if you display that value and you can show, here's the ROI on getting this instead of this, then, then you can even take someone who's very cost conscious and who isn't in, in, in the world today, you can take them and, sh- and sh- as long as you can show them the value and you bring it up proactively, I think it's, it's really, uh, you can, you can, you can even get someone who's very margin conscious, for example, and, and get, uh, and still show them why they should go with you. Right. We just recently had a project and they are definitely in, in a market you described. I mean, they are selling a commodity product. However, you know, through the training, what we help them uncover is through their focus groups and surveys, even though it's a commoditized product, the number one reason clients buy from them is the reliability. Mm. So if the salespersons are leading out on price, when all their surveys, and they're quite a large company, shows reliability, well, who's the one defaulting to price? And sometimes the salesperson, their pre-call planning is only about how low do I lower my price to win this deal rather than selling the value, having a discussion about, quote, reliability. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Showing the risk of an unreliable product. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's shift topics here. Given that EI is such an important soft skill in sales, how can sales managers make sure they recruit and hire salespeople that have a high emotional intelligence? Well, what I find a lot of times when we work with companies on their, quote, hiring playbooks, they have not really even uh, created or designed questions designed to test EQ skills. So sometimes what you can do is simply have a conversation. Okay, let's talk about the people that didn't fit into your culture before. I promise you, it's never about the selling skills. It's about attitude. They weren't good team players, work ethic. So you actually can design questions around that. So for example, uh, you may want to design questions around assertiveness. You know, according to the corporate executive board, that is a skill found in top sales producers. But what's interesting is assertiveness is not a hard selling skill. It's a soft skill. So mm-hmm. you can design two or three questions to test a salesperson's assertiveness. Well, like what would those questions be? Um, tell me about a time when a customer did not want to pay the investment when the scope had increased beyond the original contract. What did you say and do? You and know, what, tell me, what, would, what would be an answer in that case that would show that they are assertive and have a, a, a you know, good emotional intelligence around EQ versus lower? Well, first they'd uh, step into the client's shoes and acknowledge and empathize and say, hey, listen, I can understand, you know, why you're a little reluctant to pay more for the scope, uh, because in many cases you're thinking we increase the scope um, and so we should be picking up. Why don't we have that conversation to see where the scope actually increased? So they could have the conversation there, which would then lead the prospect to realizing it was them that probably changed the scope, Mm -hmm. not the salesperson's company. So there can be different strategies there. The fact is what you're looking for in the answer is that they've actually done it. And then what was the outcome? Mm -hmm. We got the customer to agree to pay the additional price. Excellent. How would a lower EQ person um, answer that question? They They wouldn't have an answer. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they actually, they don't really have good examples because um, people with lower assertiveness, generally the behavior you see is they go along to get along. So they write lots of practice proposals because they're not assertive enough to ask for and get meetings with the other buying influences. Mm. They go along to get along because they're not assertiveness to get at least a range of a budget or commitment before writing a recommendation. Okay. So a lot of times what you'll see is in the answer, they you'll hear go along to get along answers or excuses as to why they went along. And so you have to, you know, in interviewing, it's just like selling. You have to listen very carefully. What's the answer? And is there another dynamic going on behind the answer? That makes a ton of sense. So that's assertiveness. How would you interview for uh, high levels of empathy versus low? So I would uh, ask the interview question, tell me about a time when you changed the direction of the meeting because of a behavior you observed in a prospect. It wasn't anything they said or did. And see, again, empathy, and, and by the way, it's becoming a lost skill. Um, it, research shows that, and not to bust the millennials, because I think, frankly, the boomers are as guilty as anyone, but there's some research that shows that empathy has decreased 40% in millennials. I've read this, because, yeah. Yeah, and it's because empathy is only learned by watching how my actions land on you. And you can't learn it from looking at a phone or even a tablet. Or even playing a video game. <laughs> exactly. That might give you some other skills, but I'm not sure it's building the EQ skill. Really, really quick thumbs. Really quick thumbs. Right. Right. Yeah. The you know I, I'm I'm at a uh, I'm a little old older than a millennial, but I'm uh, you know I'm I'm younger than a Gen Xer. I'm kind of like right in the middle there, and and it it's definitely I see big differences between you know, in, in the workplace on, on empathy between people my age and older versus people younger. I think there has been something, something that's happened. And I have a suspicion that's, you know, the hours a day as, as uh, when we were going through our formative years, we were staring at some sort of screen instead of mm -hmm. you know, sitting around talking to people. But um, especially when you hang out with older people, especially it really, I just, I feel like they communicate and empathize at a different level, probably because they didn't spend their formative years staring at screens, but you know, hanging out with other humans. <laughs> right. Well, if you even observe some sales meetings, and of course, this will get some pushback from your audience. I mean, I will go into, let's say, the group sales meeting, and you might have people, you know, joining by Zoom or the phone. Well, we we have uh, rooms that are full of teamwork, respect, and this, and then nobody's talking to one another. Everybody's answering the last email, and then even as the meeting goes on. Uh, somebody is, you know, maybe delivering their report or giving a status update and no one is paying attention. Right. You want to talk about lack of empathy. You know, I'm an individual that has put in the work to prepare something to share with my teammates. And all I'm looking at is the top of a head. And it ain't that pretty, by the way. Um, <laughs> most heads. So this is one that's really on the leadership. Because, you know, everybody's suffering from, we're all, we're all familiar with the term FOMO. And mm -hmm. I find everybody wants to be everywhere but where they are. So yeah. I'm at the meeting, but I need to be here. So this is one that's really on the leadership, both CEOs and VPs of sales. And until they make a decision, their empathy is going to be going down in the team. And again, it's such a major, major influence skill. Absolutely. Well, if you are that VP of sales or you are that CEO, what's the best method? for a person like that to teach their sales team 
to have higher emotional intelligence? Because I believe emotional intelligence is a learned skill that you can develop. How can I, as a CEO, help my team have more of it? Well, I think one of, one of the decisions you have to absolutely make is, do I really believe it's important in achieving hard sales results? And I mean, so everything starts with the decision. So until you really decide, this absolutely will make my company money, plus make it a more enjoyable place to work, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think first is making a decision, then you model the behaviors. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be perfect. One of the reasons I can teach emotional intelligence well is I fall dramatically short uh, at various times, <laughs> each day and each week, you know, emotion management, I get triggered, I'm a, I can absolutely uh, blow empathy when I actually am, have really some pretty natural skills there. So I think mm -hmm. it model it and then use the language. So for example, Julie that works quite closely with me, she'll use the language, hey, somebody called in today asking for you and I kind of got a little triggered because they were a high driver and she's more of an amiable. See, the mm -hmm. fact that she's using those words, it's part of our culture. Mm. So I think model it, admit when you don't use it because then you don't look like a fraud. We're, I'm, not, I'm not setting myself up to be a perfect human being, but then use the language. Okay, let's step into our prospect's shoes. What are they thinking or feeling? Hey, where did you lack assertiveness here? And mm -hmm. so the more you use it in frameworks, then it becomes top of mind. So the, the two emotional intelligence uh, themes that keep coming up for me are, are the stepping into the shoes or, the, or, or empathy and then assertiveness. Would you say those are the two most important emotional intelligence skills for a field salesperson or a salesperson in general, or are there other things that, you, that you'd like to talk that are equally important? Well, the self-awareness as we addressed, because that's really where it starts, because I'm, if I'm not aware that I'm not being empathetic, if I'm not aware of where am I giving into instant gratifications, I'd be called low impulse control. Mm -hmm. Then, so I'd still say emotional self-awareness is where you start. And then there could be different skills. So impulse control, delayed gratification, assertiveness, you know, interpersonal skills. Uh, we all say relationships are important, but you know, the darn things take time. That's why we don't pick up the phone. Yeah. See, that takes time. I might actually get you on the phone. Ooh, that's going to take 10 minutes versus two minutes. So see, having that awareness that I say I want relationships, but am I mm -hmm. willing to put in the work that relationships take, whether it's friendships with your spouse, partner, friends, clients, prospects. Yeah, one thing that we're hearing from our customers all the time, uh, you know, and, and I'm always looking for more problems of theirs to solve, right? But it's, it's, I don't have the time to, I don't have the time to get done what I want to get done. I'm, I'm just, the, the, they're so busy and it's such a noisy world right now that it's just people are, I, I think more than anything, salespeople are just strapped for time and, and you're right. It, relationships take time and it's a it's a contradiction i think it's it's challenging well and if you know a lot of times when i'm looking at um when people say i'm, I'm so busy and i'm not going to tout that we're the time management experts here or productivity but mm -hmm. i always recommend to people to study stephen covey's work i think he's the one you know seven habits quadrant yeah. one quadrant two mm -hmm. and really what you'll find is people are busy because they're not putting in the time to training and development so let's just say that. So people are really busy prospecting and running sales meetings, all of which are half their average because we don't spend enough time getting them masterful. So mm -hmm. you might be able to run half the meetings, make half of the outbound reaches if you were more masterful. 
but mastery takes time. Mm -hmm. And my uh, industries, and I work in an awful lot of them where they might have operations issues. Well, they're playing the whack-a-mole game, right? And this gopher gets up and then you whack this one. Well, what if we slowed down and looked at the root cause and put in systems or processes by which the whack-a-mole game doesn't even need to happen? Mm -hmm. So these are pretty timeless principles, but if you take it back to EQ, this is all impulse control. I need to attend to the urgent. My reptilian brain says I've got to do this instead of slowing down to speed up. And that's mm. delayed gratification. That's a really interesting application of the impulse control concept. That makes a ton of sense to me. I try to lay out the, the top three things that I want to get done every day. And I try to write them down and, you know, at the beginning of the day and keep, you know, every time I have a chance and, you know, things are constantly tugging at my arm, but every time I get a, a chance, I go back to those three things and really try to get them done by the end of the day. And that's, yeah, Absolutely. And, 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 and it's, it is an act, it's an activity and impulse control because I know when I go to those things that there's, you know, 20 emails in my inbox just waiting for me and they're all important, but they're not, and, and they're all urgent, but, uh, but they're not as important as the three things that are, that I said at the beginning of the day, these are the really important three things. Yeah. And so some of the emotional self-awareness is setting up an environment by which you can succeed. I mean, I still hear people where they have their email that, ding thing that goes off and they oh, got that God. bubble that appears okay if you're doing that you're crazy okay yeah, let me just absolutely. you're crazy because we're you know there's a lot of research out there that says willpower is overrated so create an environment where you don't have to use your willpower mm, i literally yeah. just brought this up at our last uh full company-wide meeting i was like we you, we got to turn all the notifications off off on your phone off on your computer it you know, if, if mm -hmm. someone, if someone really needs someone right now and it's truly an emergency, we all have each other's cell phones, call them. Like, yes. it, it, other, otherwise, like, you know, don't have your IM blowing up all the time because just cause you want it right now doesn't mean that they're not doing something important and that, you know, so it's like, great, send them an IM, but don't expect them to get back to you right away. Yes. And those are some great ground rules to lay because again, the reptilian brain sees an email. I've got to get back to it. No, you right. don't. Right. It, <laughs> and so you have to you have to kind of manage the illogical part of your brain that's driving, mm -hmm. you know, behaviors that really frankly tire you out, which then makes you less creative, less productive. We feel like everything's urgent, but really most things are not. And and you got to you got to focus on what's important over what's urgent but unimportant. Mm -hmm. Well, I I guess to follow up on that then as a leader what's the key to building an emotionally intelligent sales culture? Well, I think it always starts back with, you know, hire the people because you know this in your world. If you want to make your life easy to become a leader versus a manager, you hire the right people. So let me give you an example of another EI skill, self-regard. And self-regard is defined as that person that has inner confidence. And what accompanies that trait is they also have the ability to admit their strengths and weaknesses. Now, how that plays out in sales leadership and sales management, think about times when you've had to give a person feedback. And the person with lower self-regard, they end up in the, yeah, but, yeah, but, they're defensive, um, they shut down. And so pretty soon, even though logically we know as sales leaders, I need to give you feedback, you just sit there and go, oh, I don't really want to give Stephen feedback. He is such a drama person. It takes an hour. And then you, you avoid the conversation, even though logically we know we're supposed to, 
There's lots of leadership books written out there. So we're getting emotionally charged. So just in that case, what I find is if you have feedback cultures, these cultures move fast, which we have to, because the person doesn't sit there going, yeah, but, yeah, but. They actually raise their hand and say, oh, no, this one's on me. I blew it. I didn't do enough pre-call planning. I got outsold. Um, I didn't practice enough. Boom, you're done, and now you keep moving forward. So hiring people with EQ, you've got fast-moving cultures. And frankly, they're nicer people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. think about it. Mm -hmm. EQ people are nice people. Uh, you know, they're not getting triggered. They're not backbiting. Uh, they're self-aware enough to admit when they made a mistake. So it makes the environment a pleasant place to work. Yeah, that, I, I definitely think the, the more the more emotionally intelligent people you can have around, the 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 better your culture will be. Yeah. Well, the next section, I, I I'm going to ask you a series of questions and try to each answer. I call it sales in sixty seconds. Try okay. to answer each each question in under sixty seconds. Okay. So I'll uh, tap into my impulse control. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Perfect. So, in your opinion, what's the number one mistake salespeople make when it comes to prospecting? Inconsistent and generic approach. All right. And how can sales reps differentiate themselves in today's competitive sales environment? Like they did 100 years ago. Work hard and become masterful. During your Both skills, soft and hard. All right. And during your previous sales career, uh, you grew varsity sales from eight to 90 million as their VP of sales and marketing. What is your top advice for sales executives who want to scale and grow their revenue? Obviously we've talked about the EQ. Let's talk about some of the sales IQ, get a playbook. You cannot coach 20 different playbooks out there. And if you really have to ramp up people quickly, get a playbook that tells them what to say, do, so they have to quit guess. They stop guessing. So we had a very defined playbook as we were ramping up, you know, varsity. What are three main signs of a toxic sales culture? Uh, number one, there's a lot of meetings after the meetings. So people lack the assertiveness to speak up in the meeting, but boy, do they have a lot to say about it afterwards. That mm -hmm. results in gossip and backbiting, which never leads to anything good. And then I would say toxic cultures are victim cultures. And this is where you have your sales reps. They have low locus of control. So the external defines their success instead of them saying, hey, if I'm going to be successful, what must I do? Great answer. Given that you're an expert in EI for sales, what is your best advice that you would like to give our listeners on this topic? Start today and change your life forever. Study it, embrace it, and master it. And what's the first step to, uh, to starting to embrace and master emotional intelligence skills? You know, for me, um, reading, and reading can be the form of listening as well, so I know people are auditory like podcasts and audios. I would start reading and actually taking some notes, and then with the notes, actually asking yourself, where can I apply this in my life? So for me, a lot of mastery simply comes from being a student of whatever I want to learn. And there may be different answers for different people, but I start by being a student. So if you see our, our household in the morning, my husband and I both have about five books sitting right next to the chairs by which we have coffee every morning. So we're, we're both kind of students of the games that we're involved in. Outstanding. I'll try to summarize everything that we've talked about here in a minute or two, uh, just so, because a lot of people are driving and stuff, so it's nice to hear a, a summary. It helps it, helps it stick in the, the back of their brain. 
Emotional intelligence skills support the right execution of selling techniques and affect various areas in sales. EI allows salespeople to be more empathetic and pay closer attention to the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of other people, specifically prospects, and to read the room better. Therefore, having higher IQ allows you to have more successful sales meetings. Slowing down to speed up is an important concept to keep in mind when it comes to prospecting. We talked about impulse control versus delayed gratification in that regard. We also talked about emotional self-awareness as, as being the key and as a really important starting point for developing your emotional intelligence. Reflect daily in your activities and your performance to constantly improve your skills and become more self-aware. Sales objectives, they're very predictable and we all know them, right? Uh, don't wait for the or sales objections. You know, they're, they're, they're predictable. Don't wait for the prospect to bring them up. Be proactive and bring it up first. That way you don't put yourself in the position of being on the defensive. In order to build an emotionally intelligent sales culture, interview and screen salespeople for these soft skills uh, with giving particular emphasis to assertiveness and empathy. You can, you can ask something like, tell me about a time when a prospect did X, Y, Z. Make sure the sales reps are assertive about their answer and what their results were. Did their response lead to a positive outcome? That's what you're looking for. Uh, you know, a, a rep with a lower EQ isn't going to have a, a, a good response to those types of questions. It's crucial to create a culture based on feedback. Salespeople with a higher EQ are also truly present with their prospects or in sales meetings. They're great listeners. They're great empathizers. Step into the shoes of your prospect and really think about how they think and feel on a regular basis. This is how you build that key empathy skill. One of Colleen's tips, get a sales playbook that tells your reps what to say and what to do in certain situations so that they can stop guessing and they know, know exactly what to do. And that allows you to grow faster. Finally, and you can start this today, Embrace and master emotional intelligence skills by starting to read books, take notes, and asking yourself where you can apply these skills in your life. Become a student again and master the skills that you want to improve on. So that was fantastic, Colleen. Tell me, where can listeners read more about your work and, and reach out to you? Well, they can obviously find our book, Emotional Intelligence for Sales Success, on Amazon or in some Barnes & Noble's bookstores. I would also invite them to go to our website, which is salesleadershipdevelopment.com. We have lots of resources there, eBooks, podcasts. I do a weekly blog or vlog, so happy to have them join that uh, family of listeners there. So uh, those are the two big resources I would point them to. Fantastic. Well, I, I've... I've been saying for years that listening and empathy skills are two of the most important things a salesperson can develop. And I mean, honestly, a, the most important things a person can develop. I mean, this isn't just about your sales relationships. This is about relationships with your coworkers. This is about relationships with your friends, with your family members. I feel like there's no one that couldn't get better at listening and empathy to enrich the relationships in their lives. And, and like we talked about, there's, there's prevailing winds in culture and society today that I think are lowering our, our ability to really put ourselves in other people's shoes. Well, 
anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Outside Sales Talk. If you have any feedback, suggestions, feel free to reach out to us at feedback at outsidesalestalk.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave it a review. It really helps us spread the word and get the word out to more outside salespeople like you to find out about this. So take care, everybody. Until next week. 